unfortunately, the opioid epidemic is very, very real. And it's affecting our communities and all communities alike. A lot of those cases are really preventable. Very often, people look at those that are struggling as if, like, they're someone who's bad. And it's, it's not true. It's people that are sick. Nobody wakes up in the morning and says, I want to be an addict. And welcome to Torah Talks Chazak's Tuesday night program with a special guest we have with us, my dear friend, Reb Tzvi Glag Baruch Haba. Shalom Aleichem, how are you doing? Aleichem Shalom, thank you for having me. Uh, all the way from Queens. <laughs> it was a very, very far trip. <laughs> Baruch Hashem, and it's a big honor to have you here, and thank you for all that you did for Klal Yisrael. But before uh, we get to your background, tonight's topic will be being real. And it's uh, right around the corner from Rosh Hashanah. But before we do being real, if you could give us a little background about yourself and the great work you're involved with. Um, so I, I live in Queens. I've been here for the last 23 years. Um, I was involved in various different uh, communal things locally. I'm a volunteer on Atsala. I've been involved with other know, government agencies and on committees. I think we sit together on a few different, uh, different stuff, communal yeah. stuff. But uh, <laughs> as far as the organization, as you know, it's called Amudim. We've done lots of things together in the past, but Great I guess work. for the public to know. Um, is an organization dedicated to helping those that are struggling with addiction, those that are suffering from mental illness, and those that were victims of child and sexual abuse. And we try to do our part to help give people a good chance to be able to lead a healthy and productive life, whether it's helping the individual, their family, or their communities at large. And uh, Baruch Hashem, we, uh, you know, it's always a, a toss-up. You know, how do you describe what, what we're doing? Is it good? Is it not good? If there's too many people coming for help, does that mean it's bad? So Ravelia Brudni, who is the Rav Amudim, said it very well. He says, it doesn't mean that more people have tsars, that more people have problems. It means that more people are feeling comfortable to reach out for help. And the truth is, the last few years since COVID, we've seen that mental health has become much easier to talk about. Other areas that we deal with are still heavily stigmatized, but at the very least, people are finally starting to you know, Open connect up. with their inner selves and try to get the proper help that they need. So. Amazing. I know firsthand the great work of Amudim. And uh, like you mentioned, up until Amudim came up, many of the topics and you know, things that you deal with were stuffed under the rugs. And people weren't being real. And uh, you guys stepped up and you made a whole, I guess, PR and marketing. Got the word on Gadil and Rabbanim and Mechanchim and psychologists and made it into a whole big deal. And Baruch uh, Hashem, it's it's people aren't as worried today to step up and 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 be real with themselves and say yes, I have this addiction, I have this problem. If you could touch upon an issue that unfortunately is very very big is is the opioid crisis with the drugs <coughs> and the overdoses. What Amudim does and uh, well, so unfortunately, the opioid epidemic is very very real, and it's affecting our communities and all communities alike. Um, I, I will say this, just before COVID, we, we were noticing a downturn of, of opioids. It was, it was getting somewhat better, and then it just came right back up, and it hit with a fury. Um, uh, the number one issue is too late. It's a day late and a dollar short, which is the people are dying. They die, it's over. And very often, a lot of those cases are really preventable. You know, people are dying because... The drugs are laced, you know, people are, you know, drug dealers and people that are creating the drugs are not really your finest uh, 
people. They don't have the quality assurance, you know, that uh, people are used to. So they're lacing it with fentanyl in order to get people to want to use more drugs for a better high, and it ends up killing people. We've actually had, not too long ago, people were dying that were smoking marijuana because it was being laced with fentanyl, and they had no idea. But on the other side is when people that are, are struggling with the addiction, so very often people look at those that are struggling as if, like, they're someone who's bad. And it's it's not true. It's people that are sick. Nobody, I've said this before, I think we've spoken about this together once, nobody wakes up in the morning and says, I want to be an addict. Right. It's a gradual process. And, it starts small and just grows and grows. Right. And very often during that process, people might actually notice something, but they won't say anything. Mm. And I say, you know, if, you, if this is a friend, a friend is someone who's going to help, not someone who's going to keep their secret. But very often people see it and people need to feel more comfortable to say, hey, buddy, you got to get help or reach out to somebody or do something. But then once somebody is in that matzav, they're in that situation, they're, they're, they're having a problem and, and I have this, and it breaks my heart when we like reach out to people. Someone so needs help, and they're like, "Well, he got himself into that mess. Why should I be involved?" And and it's really not true. We have, we have to look at it as people that are struggling with addictions. They're, they're sick, and they do need help. Um, you know, and it's something that very often. I mean, I I, I say this, and I, I'm getting into trouble when I say this, but I say it anyway. Our school system is very much at fault because they do not provide proper education. You know, the assumption of, well, our students are never going to end up doing this, so we don't need to create something, is the most ridiculous statement in the world. Education is probably the biggest prevention that there is. I think it's the, the only real prevention. It's education. And, you know, there's the, the famous expression they say is, what's the opposite of addiction? Connection. <laughs> Being so connected. It's, it's not just the education, but it's also feeling comfortable. You know, we do these events in some of the schools, some of the more open schools, where it's like an evening with the parents and the students. And one of the main ideas behind that evening is the students are sitting next to their mother and father, hearing, talking about drugs, alcohol, addiction. It opens up that topic that it can be spoken about with a parent. You know, very often... When people have a problem, especially with dealing with teenagers, they're scared to go to their parents. They don't know what the reaction is going to be. Very often, the parents don't know how to react. You know, and then the schools say this is a family issue. The families are like, one second, my kid's in school eight hours a day, most of his waking days. You know, when we talk about a partnership, right, in raising kids, the schools are just as much a partner as the parents and really need to take a much more leading approach to appropriate. Now, I understand cultural sensitivities, but there still has to be appropriate education and awareness. You know, before Purim, they always do these uh, events, you know, pictures, don't drink, don't get carried away. I always tell people, that's my least of my worries. I'm worried about the other 364 days of the year. But for that, you know, they're able to talk about it. It's something that, you know, it is preventable with proper education. Early detection is extremely important. Um, and then getting people the proper help once they do fall into that you know, thing. And, and all these things together have to really be tackled as, as one. So the fact that, uh, with what I understand, in New York it's being legalized right now to have marijuana and all these smoke shops and things along the line, um, does that make things better? Does that make things worse? So the theory behind is similar to, we talk about prohibition, you know, that was the time when alcohol was illegal and then it got repealed. 
What a lot of people fail to realize is the main reason why it got repealed was because of all the crime, the criminal activity going around with bootlegging. People were getting killed. It was just horrendous. So the country needed to do something. Marijuana getting legalized was very much in the early stages, was very much in that same theory. But the reality is it's not true. If you actually go to certain areas, I mean, Colorado, they just did a study. I think their, their car accidents, death caused by car accidents has actually, the last study I saw from, the, from their Department of Transportation from Colorado was it was, you know, being high on marijuana versus drunk driving. Drunk driving used to be number one. Now it's marijuana. So car accidents went up. Criminal activity near the areas where people could buy went up. Mm. And the concept of, well, if it's in a smoke shop, then it's going to be safer and healthier. But again, people, you know, people that create drugs are looking to make a living any way they can. They're not your finest people, the ones that are on the streets. So just because you could get something, you know, in the store doesn't mean that's where they're going to go. And even if it is in the store, alcohol is legal, but nobody's going to get up and say alcohol is good. It's legal, right? But doesn't make it good. How many people do we know that are dealing with alcoholism? How many, you know, the numbers of alcoholism within our community are not only increasing, they're increasing by the mothers in our community, 30s, 40s, 50-year-olds. So just because something is legal doesn't mean it's good. Mm. And the fact that marijuana is being legalized, but that's another perfect example. We're not going to stop that. So what do we do? Do we ignore it? Or do we try to educate the next generation of what the dangers could be. Mm. You know, they asked me this question a few years ago when um, this organization TAG does the uh, filters, filters on the phones. Filters for the phones, yeah. So we, we push them all the time. Right. So somebody asked me if, if I would get involved and com combine with what we do. And I asked one simple question. <clears throat> when you go into an eighth grade or a ninth grade and they're getting their filters put on, are you explaining to them why? <laughs> are they being taught what the dangers are? of an unfiltered phone. Because a lot of people assume the dangers are from religious reasons, from, you know, inappropriate technologies, inappropriate images. But the real number one issue that we see is people meeting people that they don't know who they are. So abusers are able to make believe they're something they're not, different age, different gender, whatever it might be. People getting addicted to games, online gaming. Yeah. So... That's again, also legal. Again, but we're not even talking... I'm not gambling. even up to gambling. No, no, ah, that's next. I'm that's talking about just games, games, you know, whether it was Fortnite or whatever ah. those games are. So you have these teenagers, they're sh they're showing up in school half asleep because they're up all night. Playing games. But ah. again, even in the games, you're playing with other people. You don't know if that person's really who they say they are. And a lot of them are using their voices. But come on, today's day and age, you could masquerade your voice to be something else. So... <laughs> There's all, of course, the other stuff is also dangerous. Gambling, gambling has been on the rise. By the way, I want to tell you, the bulk of the gambling that we're dealing with on a regular basis are those that are really making ends meet and taking whatever money they have and buying scratch-off lottery tickets, hoping that they'll hit that big one. So, again, when I said that, they're like, no, in this school, whatever, we, I said, then I'm not going to help you because the idea is to give empower people to empower understand people, that's the word. people talk about marijuana yeah it messes up with the brain waves brain cells development right those are real things we could talk about the the, the the science behind it we could talk about the actual human growth development there's so much instead of just saying everything is bad you know when we talk about everything is bad what do we do people want to do it if it's bad i gotta try it so 
these are real issues, but I, 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 I'm, and again, I want to say this, we're definitely a lot more further ahead than we were. Open, we're more open about it, people understand it better. But we still have a long way to go. I got to tell you, just yesterday, somebody was showing me an article from a few weeks ago. I, I didn't see it because it was like some sort of internal newsletter or something. But it was a teacher and it was a very public, it was internal newsletter, but in the, in the world of education. And this was somebody that actually was sharing their story about the abuse they endured when they were younger. That would have never happened five years ago. So we're People definitely about getting into a better place, but we still have a long way to go. So what, what is, the, I guess for lack of better words, the average person listening to this, and they're thinking, oh my gosh, such a dark picture, there's so many issues, there's so many problems. What can an individual, let's say a parent or an individual, uh, you know, any person, Joe, Shmo, whatever it is, could do about to make life better or help others? So let me first preface by saying, we live in a beautiful community. Oh. The community that we live in, the good deeds, the organizations, the things we do to help one another. It's unreal. It's unreal. unreal. It, all these amazing, I'm biased. <laughs> I'm saying, but, you know, I'm we need to remember that the stuff that we deal with, while it's dark, yeah, it's dark. not the norm. That means right. I, I'm not sitting here to say, let's raise the alarm because the entire community is struggling with this. Now, one is one too many. Mm. And that's what we have to remember. But we also have to keep in mind, it's not all gloom. It's not all horrendous. We have to remember that we have a, we're part of something beautiful. But part of being in something beautiful means also recognizing when there's a problem to be able to make sure people can get the help that they need. So we talk about addiction issues. It, it doesn't matter whether it's addiction, whether it's abuse, whether it's mental health. It doesn't matter. If people would feel comfortable to ask for help themselves. If we can help remove that stigma. So that would be like a huge win. Somebody to be able to come up and say, I need help. This is what's happening. Very often people are scared to. So we have to tell people, listen, be a friend. Don't be judgmental. Don't be an expert. Be a friend. You see somebody struggling, go over. Hey, buddy, what's going on? Can we talk? Anything I could do to help you? And if you see that the person is really struggling and is not looking for help, I hate that comment of, well, we can only help someone who wants to help themselves. They don't know they want to help themselves. A person that's having a massive heart attack, right? You Dude, they don't themselves. know they're having a heart attack. Now, if you say to them, do you want me to help you because of the heart attack? They may not answer, right? Mm, but, they want it, but they want the help. Being a friend is helping. So if someone sees that someone else is struggling, reach out. Reach out to a professional, reach out to an expert, reach out to, if it's in a school, you know, there's always got to be that one teacher or rabbi that everybody likes, you know, that people feel comfortable with, we could say anything to. Reach out. That, that's once somebody sees that there's something going on. From the parent side of it, again, we're first talking about the problem that already exists. I don't know anybody that ever quit smoking because somebody walked up to them on the street and said, hey... That's bad for you. It doesn't work. I don't think it's ever worked. <laughs> I don't think so. Honey works better than vinegar. Exactly. So when a parent sees that they have a child that's struggling, support the child. Be there. Show them love. I'm not saying that a parent has to agree with what they're doing. I'm not telling a parent, no matter what your kid does, you know. No, but at the end of the day, be there. I'm here for you. Let's get through this together. On the preventative side, it's really about open communication. And you know what? It starts at home, that I will say. 
how many times people go into their houses, they're on their cell phone as they're walking through their front door. What does that say to the kids? What does that say to your wife? What are you teaching the next generation? Again, how many times are people sitting down having dinner together? Their phone rings, they're texting. How many times do people just put their phone down and say to their kids, let's just spend some time together? Play a board game, <clears throat> talk about something. I'm not talking homework. Building I'm not talking the stuff that, that, that you have to do. And not just on Shabbos when anyway you can't do something else because then it's like, oh, I can't. No, show, show your children, show your spouse the importance of relationship, of communication, of being together. At the end of the day, whenever somebody feels that they have that, they're more comfortable to reach out to that person for something. Amazing, 100%. One of the stigmas, I guess, is that many families that need help, they always say, what if, you know, people realize or people hear and shidduchim, you know, getting my kids married. Oh, that's the dirtiest word in the Jewish language, <laughs> the S word. I, I, that is the dirtiest word. I get word. it all the time. So how, how, what's the right approach towards such individuals that say, you know, because of this issue with one child, I have another, you know, X amount of children. So what's going to be? I'm going to tell you something that we looked into many, many years ago. And then we again looked into it again about two years ago, right, right towards the end of COVID. The old method, when a parent was told that they had a child born with special needs or developmentally disabled, talking 40 years ago. It was, a, it was they, they would hide him. Exactly. That child was left in the hospital, sent to a group home. <clears throat> Why? It'll affect Shadokhan. Right? Let, let's just look at this, you know, step by step. Today, you have all these beautiful organizations helping special needs kids, keeping them in the house, part of the family, right? So yep, it's obviously, it's unbelievable. that stigma was able to be broken and changed, right? Amazing. Okay. 20 years ago, you couldn't say the word cancer. The a person machla. has the machla, the, the illness, the this. And if somebody had it, nobody spoke about it. Today, again, we can talk about it. All these organizations. organizations. Helping, it's amazing, Okay. Organizations dealing with single parenting, divorces. Mikam Chaisra. Exactly. Unbelievable. We have to be able to get past where we're at and say the same thing here. But it's also interesting. There's the question of Shaduchim, but there's also, oh, I don't want to ruin the other kids in the house, like you just said before. Parents that throw a kid out of the house, we did a study with 200 families in more than 75% of those that threw kids out of the house had at least one other child, if not two other children, follow the path. Follow the path of the child that was thrown out. How does it make sense? He's out of the house. Ah, so obviously the out of the house doesn't work. Let's establish that first. I'll explain how it makes sense in a second. But on the ones that kept the kids in the house, there was a minutia that had another child that followed that path. Very interesting study. Wow. We, we looked at it from a very different angle. The kids feel love. If a child sees, my parents are not happy with my brother, but they love him. He's in the house. He's part of the family. They, they tolerate it. They're trying to help him. I feel the love too. But when a parent throws that kid out of the house, the message the other kids are hearing is, you better toe the line or you're going to be like them. That means you don't love me. You love yourself. Mm, wow. You love your reputation in the community. You're worried about people think of you. It's not about me. It's not about me. What do I care? And that's what people need to realize. So it doesn't matter. Because I can tell you, some of the families with the most difficult of situations did the most amazing matches for their kids. 
And then you have these other families that everybody looks at and goes, wow, these people are so great. And you deal with issues and you see what's going on. So the reality is, is that it's, it's a false narrative. You know, they say these, uh, the word of fear, right, is false expectations appearing real. Hmm. <clears throat> That's what this is. It's fear. Now, sometimes it's fear because people of their own, they're worried about their own ego, their own respect, their own standing in the community. False. False. Expectations. Appear- appearing real. Fear. You assume the worst of things, right? Doesn't happen. Powerful. Very, very powerful. You mentioned before about Rav Eliabruni Shlita, who's uh, the, the Astora of Amudim. Uh, you must get crazy amount of cases that are, I guess, for lack of a better word, like borderline. Like, what do you do in those situations? And uh, the Gedolim are always there. Rakhshim Sam over here with all the Gedolim that guide us and, uh, you know, hold our hands with regards to Shilas and questions. Now, where does the Torah come with regards to the work of Amudim? Uh, of course, the Torah has uh, many discussions about these uh, topics, but if you could shed some light on a Torah perspective. So, uh, y- y- the answer is, we have to look at it from a few different perspectives. Okay, so the first thing is, I'm going to say a cute story that happened, where Shimon and Levi <coughs> destroyed an entire city. Shem, right. Right? Why did they destroy the city? Because their sister was taken advantage of was abused. abused yeah. There's no other word to describe what was done to their sister. Right? That's right, 100%. This is what it was. So first of all, abuse is in the Torah. We know that the Torah talks about abuse. Now, we also know that Yom Kippur, right, which is coming up now, I mean, That's right. Yom Kippur, what is the last Torah portion that is read before Ne'ilah, before the climax of Yom Kippur? What do we read in the Torah? About Erva and all that stuff. About all the illicit and inappropriate relationships. I don't understand. This is the time that we're, we're going up Holy and we're saying, yeah. God, open <laughs> the gates, right? This is Ne'ilah. We're coming in. Come on, work with us. The last thing we're reading from the book is these things? Shouldn't we be reading about Moshe coming down the mountain? Right? Yeah. Shouldn't sorry. we be reading about building the Mishkan? Shouldn't... W- w- this is what we're learning. <laughs> I don't understand it. Great question. Torah is teaching us a very valuable lesson, in my opinion. On that, we'll get to the other part in a second, but on that part, what's the Torah teaching us? We're all human. People make mistakes. You could be at the highest point and you could do the lowest thing. It doesn't change. We're human. We're We're about to take ourselves and say, this is the end of this day. We're getting signed, sealed, and delivered. But we still understand these are traps that we could fall into and we need to do what we can not to get there. So that's the first piece. Going back to Shimon and Levi, so there was a very cute situation. Shimon and Levi weren't punished at that point. Right? I mean, they should have been. They shouldn't have been. The Torah was upset. They were rebuked a little bit later when the outcome ah, was passed. What what happened later when they were rebuked? What was the cause of that? What happened to their brother Yosef? Mm. So what's going on here? They destroy an entire city. They don't get it over the head, right? They, 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 they do something to their one brother all of a sudden. Now, so I heard a very, very interesting answer. When they destroyed Shechem, when they were representing their sister, even if they did something wrong, right? But they were doing it for the right reason. 
The right reason is, I got to protect my brother, my sister, my family. But when it came to their brother, all of a sudden, wait, one second. Are you about right or wrong, or are you about an agenda? Mm. With your sister, you had an agenda. With your brother, your agenda was the other way. <clears throat> if you're based on an agenda, it ain't going to work. And that's where you got to wake up. We deal with some of the most difficult issues in the world. But the goal is to help people heal. The goal is to educate people, to create preventative programs, to do everything that needs to be done to curb this issue and give people a healthy lease on life. Can't have an agenda. You know, no agendas. We, we just finished, uh, you know, reading in the Torah portion, it's Avim and Vayelach, right? right? So there was always something I found very interesting about, the, about this week. Klal Yisrael was one. United as one. Right? We were all together. That's it. All I don't together. understand. This is something so vital to us, right? Whether you're religious, not religious, Hasidic, not Hasidic, Sephardi, Ashkenaz, Bukharian, Israeli, Russian, Mexican, doesn't matter. We're all one. I'm Israel. We all are one. We all bleed red. We all, everything. And all are one is in, all inclusive. But we've yet created this world where people still feel that they're different. They're better than someone else. We have to remember, no. We have to go back. We're, we're, we're entering Rosh Hashanah, right? This is the beginning of the new year, you know, and people always tease about, you know, Yom Kippur, right? The Mayrev at the end of Yom Kippur, we already say, Salah Lana, right? We right. say, God forgive us. I don't know, you just finished a whole day of everything. <laughs> Why? Because the joke is that, you know, you daven Mayrev so fast, so you can go eat, you're saying it for that. <laughs> but the point is, we're all human. But we're always so busy worrying about everybody else, judging other people. This one's not good. This one's not good. This rabbi is wrong. This school is... I don't understand. Why can't we just all be one? We should learn from this week's portion. If we're all one, then the same way I would do anything. If, if I felt that I was in danger of something, I would want to help myself. If we're all one, we got to do the same for our brothers and sisters. 100%. And that's really what it is. And I think that at the end of the day, people being there for one another, people showing that they care. You know, I mean, I see this with you and your brother and, and all the amazing people at Chazak. You know, when we first started doing things together, it was an event here and there. Now it's a world, a world apart from what we were, and it's beautiful. But it's remembering that we're here for each individual. We're not here to show how important we are. Each individual is a person. We always say, you know, when you build a person, you change them, you change their families, you change their community. You change. You get the trajectory of the entire world. I got a voicemail, uh, a WhatsApp uh, voice note, which I happen to not like because they just get annoying. In the middle. <laughs> but there's times too. So. But every once in a while, you got to hear that, you know. <laughs> and and uh, the WhatsApp was uh, somebody saying, you know, I want to just say that a few years ago I sent someone to Amudim for help, and it was a really bad space, and she's getting engaged now, and and the wedding is going to be in about two three months, and I just want you to know that. The thank you is not just for the person, but the generations that are being helped. Now, I'm proud of that. You should. I would rather not have to have that at all. I'd rather be able to not have to deal with this. You know, have people find things earlier on. Make a healthier society. 
but I think if we all keep working together and doing what we do, then, you know, with the help... The world will be a better place. And Geula, redemption, that's the goal. May Hashem Yisbaruch Hashem's help. Reb Tzvi, if you have a final message for all of Kal Yisrael, a takeaway? I'm not sure if I can give a message to Kal Yisrael, but I'll give a message to, to myself, and we'll see if it helps anybody else. We all have to look in the mirror. We all have to see things through our own lenses first. You know, we'd say that, you know, treat others the way you want to be treated. It's machlekes, whether it's a Jewish, not a Jewish statement, you know, the with the other one. Okay, either way, it doesn't matter. But at the end of the day, I think it's it's all about the baby steps. Taking it one step Think of time. something, and I say this to myself, think of something that can make me a better person. What can I do to make me a better person? It doesn't matter what it is, something small. At the end of the day, the world is big. The world is scary. But nobody can tackle everything. But if we can take one thing, whatever that is, to make ourselves better, that makes those around us better. <laughs> and let's all work together towards that. Because at the end of the day, that's all we have. Powerful. Amazing. 100%. Thank you very much for all that you do for the for the Jewish people. We really appreciate it. We should continue only doing good and do so much good that the Geula comes so we don't have to do uh, all the things that we're doing. So, uh, more information about Amudim is online Amudim.org. Amudim.org. Uh, we encourage everyone to check it out. If you have a family, a friend, a neighbor that might need help, they do amazing work. We know firsthand. And uh, we want to remind everyone, every single Tuesday night, Chazak Torah Talks with special guests at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Baruch Hashem, the feedback has been amazing. We appreciate all the feedback. F- send it over to info at chazak.org, C-H-A-Z-A-Q.org. Suggestions for future Torah Talk guests are always welcome. Special thank you to the entire Chazak team, Natan and Robbie and Natan and Izzy and Mayor and the whole uh, amazing staff and all the supporters and board members and, uh, and volunteers. We really appreciate it. Uh, shout out to all the platforms. So many platforms. Platforms that host our Torah Talks podcast with a special shout out to Torah Anytime. Dailygiving.org. A dollar a day goes a very far away. Big fan. Big fan. Big Huge fan. fan. Daily giving. <laughs> I want you to know. People, it's amazing. People that I know, I'm sorry, I know you're closing up, but I got to say this. There are people that I know that say to me, you know, I would love to give money to Amudin, but but I, I don't have enough. I have a, but I give daily giving, you oh. know. And I said, you know what? You're helping. You're helping yeah, everybody. And sure. it's such a beautiful thing to, to see this. And by the way, those the, the feeling is very good also when we get those checks. They're nice checks. It's Hello. Very nice. It's very nice. Listen, nice we're checks. on the same page. We yes. get nice Kazak, checks. and many other great causes and organizations. Dr. Dilonov, uh, unbelievable revolution he created just yeah. a few years ago. I, I didn't think it would make it. But by the way, no, no, nobody did. <laughs> no, I'm saying I did it. I thought because we all, how many times did we speak about we should do we a should monthly giving and this giving? Never but worked. It worked because that's that's also all it is. Mm. By the way, it's a perfect example. Of the small. Perfect example. 100%. So thank you very much for daily giving. And, uh, we should all see each other. Only smachot and application. You got it. Thank you. Thank you.